great to have everyone here this morning. This week I had a young man visit me on behalf of my son, talking about finances. He said, I'm going to come to church this Good job, huh? Yeah, man who, man who does with his word. That's 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 a great thing to see. He actually follows through and didn't do a Minnesota nice on that. So. Good stuff. Good stuff. It's also if you need to I'll throw that one in. We've been studying the effects Apply them in our life that change us. Not the disciplines themselves, but that God will use us grant us the ability to do what we can't do as we start doing what we can. Those spiritual things we can do we get involved in a variety of things that come from us of heaven. Meditation on the scripture of guidance from the Holy Spirit as we listen of reading and application of his word and celebration, slowing down, intentional humility, service for one another. And today, perhaps the most difficult and the last one that we're going to deal with, suffering and balance. Suffering and balance. And the reason these two go together so well is because once you've developed balance, when suffering hits you, it doesn't blow you away. Or as Jesus put it, once you've built your house on the rock and you've laid all these walls up correctly, when the winds blow, the rain comes down, when the trials hit you, you'll find yourself able to withstand them. And when it's all over, you'll be standing up. See, that's what happens when we develop these balance in our life. And the balance comes as a result of putting all these other areas of spiritual discipline in. As we begin to live out that life, then when the struggles of this life clobber us, we find ourselves amazingly able to do it. And others look upon us and say, I know you had cancer. How are you able to respond to that so evenly? And your response is, I don't know. It just didn't seem like that big of a deal. God gave me balance in the midst of it. Yes, it caused a lot of struggle because I had to do all these things for all this time. And, and all these other areas of my life had to be set aside for a period of time. But amazingly enough, it didn't seem all that odd. In fact, it became a time of growth and development and understanding of what life is. And whatever that trial is that comes our way, or however big that trial is, we find ourselves amazingly able to handle it, have balance in the midst of it. And that's the cry that God is trying to give us today. That's the, the directive that He's trying to lay out for us today. That we can handle suffering. In fact, suffering comes our way for that very opportunity to show us that we can handle it. And in the midst of it, we can gain character, we can gain understanding, we can gain amazing things as a result of the suffering that's coming to our life. I've always found it interesting that 
prior to going to the Olympics, they have a, a series of tryouts, and they refer to them as what? Trials. They go, the trials. And as these variety of people go through these trials, these incredibly gifted athletes, one by one they're separated, and they're brought to the place where the best of the best are recognized and honored as they went through these trials. And the result of those trials was extra strength and confidence. So when they got to the Olympics, and they were the ones chosen to represent their country, they came in confident and excited and looking forward to the races, looking forward to whatever event that was set before them, because they would become, they would become the representative of that particular athletic team. And we show others what true strength is this particular. God brings trials our way so that He can strengthen us in these areas of life, that we might be able to handle those that come our way even later and have balance in the midst of it. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Read that with me. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. To guard, to watch over, to make sure that what gets in is something that you want in there, not something you don't. So the impression of the directive here is for us to realize that life is filled with opportunities to become either peacemakers or peace takers. That life is filled with opportunity to be people who draw others towards God and to the reality of who He is and to life and hope and faith and peace or to push people away from that. And the result is the result of where our hearts are at. I talked about that a bit. Our hearts need to be guarded in what we allow in because it will determine what comes out. That's what Jesus told us. Out of your hearts will come forth speech and directives and comments that are that are evil because your heart itself has become a place where position is one evil. Souls are to enlarge our hearts because the term heart and the term soul are often interchanged. And that's why Jesus says the number one commandment is simply this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength or mind. Okay, and you get all, you go, oh yeah, that's right, that's how they put it. And really what he was saying is that all that you are, and the heart is a primary statement of who we really are from the inside out. So the directive of Scripture is that we need to be involved in the opportunities to deal with trials appropriately. So James chapter 1, and by the way, for your Bible today, if you turn to James chapter 1, that's the primary chapter that we'll deal with. Uh, throughout this section of, of study, James chapter 1, as we talked last week, we went Galatians chapter 5 was a primary. This week, it's James chapter 1. So James 1 deals with the issue of suffering. How should we deal with suffering? Why do we have suffering? You know, how can it become something in our life that doesn't distract us from God, but actually draws us towards God and helps our lives to become more and more like Christ? James is speaking to a set of Jewish Christians who are being persecuted by the Emperor Claudius at this time. 
they're hated by the Gentiles for being Jewish, and they're hated by the Jews for being Christian. And they're hated by the Romans for who knows what. So they find themselves in this difficult situation, and they're wondering what to do, and James writes to them, and he says, look it. Here's the bottom line. You can trust God. In fact, you can even rejoice over the trouble that you find yourself in. The trials you're having are not some sort of punishment from God. But in reality, there are opportunities brought your way for you to respond to. So James tells us throughout this first chapter that trials are inevitable. They will take place. But they're meant to be insightful. Or purposeful. They're coming, it's undeniable, but they don't have to be destructive. And if you're tired of having trials in your life tear you apart, then I want you to understand this. The Bible actually teaches that our soul is strengthened primarily in the soil of adversity. The soul grows in the soil of adversity. That's the primary fertilizer of the soul. So with that unfortunate thought in mind, we want to talk about this issue. Well, how can we allow trials to be used by us instead of using us? Or here's the thing I want you to get today. It's simply this. I want to use trials, not let them use me. Can you say that with me? I want to use trials, not let them use me. And that's the thought that I want you to hold on to through this entire message. I want to use trials. I don't want them to use me. And then our mantra for this entire thing was simply this. It's time for the change. Let the change begin. There we go. They're on top there, baby. Transformation takes place when we allow God to do it. And here are three heartaches to endure during trials. You just got to endure these. Romans says this. Not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings because we know. That suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. You could circle that. We know. That is, a, that is a declaration of the Roman people that experienced suffering. They said, we know this to be true. This is reality. We're supposed to know that trials improve our character if we allow them to, that they'll expand our endurance if we allow them to, that they'll build close relationships if We allow them to. See, we can use our trials to improve our character. And that's the first thing that James tries to tell us. He says again in Romans here as well from Paul. We can use trials to improve our character. They should help us to grow more intelligent instead of dull and ignorant. They stimulate the senses. They force us to think about what's happening to us instead of just giving in and accepting what's happening. He says, think about these things. Trials... Help us to develop our souls, not just our intellect. You see, character is what happens as a result of going through tough times instead of running away from tough times and tough situations. I saw a recent TV show, and it was a young lady. Her mother had died. And the priest turns to her, and he says, a line that we often give, he says this, God would not give you anything that you could not handle. And she responded, does that mean if I was weaker that my mom wouldn't have died? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, those are, whoops. 
Our God's a God of the present. He's not a God of the past or a God of the future. See, the directive of God is, whoa, 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 you're misunderstanding something. God gives us strength to match our adversities, not problems to match our strengths. God gives us strengths to match our adversities, not problems to match our strengths. Or as Nehemiah put it, our God turned a curse into a blessing. Our God turns curses into blessings. He uses our sacrifices and he multiplies their impact. He improves our character if we choose to. But that's not the only thing. He says we can use trials to build our endurance. To build our endurance. That's that line you've got on that fill in the blank thing. Okay. That means we face up when we are man down. We turn our face up when we're man down. He says you have to suffer grief for a while. So the scripture says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now that's why when, when people turn to me and they, use, they, they say, oh, just praise the Lord in the midst of this. I go, I, I'm not praising him, I'm suffering grief. I'm struggling right now. I'm praising him for who he is and what's going on and how it's going to improve things. But right now, I'm suffering grief. I'm crying at the funerals. I'm not laughing. There's times of laughter. But they're mixed with tears because trials are real and they're difficult and they're hard. But we can learn to endure them and build our endurance. In fact, the word here, dokimos, it means to describe those who have come through a test and now they're ready. It's a picture of a, of a cracked pot, a pot that's gone through a series of heat and the result is now it's able to be used appropriately. And that's the picture of us. You've gone through these trials for a little while. A variety of trials. In fact, that term uh, used here for trials is polka-dotted trials. It's polka-dotted trials. And I thought, what is that? How many of you ever played paintball? You ever gone paintballing? When you go paintballing, the intent is for you to polka-dot other people. Okay? I want to splash them. Unfortunately, periodically, when you often least expect it, you get splashed. And it hurts. That's why I don't do paintball anymore. You know? <laughs> Just, ow, where did that come from? Painful when you get hit by that. And he's saying, you're going to have to endure a variety of trials where they will build endurance in your life as you recognize they are going to come. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hit. Expect that. Recognize it's going to take place. And don't be too concerned about it. Okay? Secondly, goes on. Trials can improve our character and enable us to build endurance, but they can also build hope-filled relationships. Okay? I, I kind of call this group hope instead of group hugs. It's more fun. Group hope is more fun than group hugs, in my opinion. Okay, what can I say? I'm not big on group hugs. I like hugs, but group hugs, well, take it or leave it. It says in Scripture, for when God comforts you, hmm, I like that, it's so that we in turn can be an encouragement to you then you can patiently endure the same things that we suffer. And we're confident of this. As you share in suffering, you'll also share in God's comfort. So the other reason for trials is it can provide comfort for us. Sounds a little weird, but even the Chinese word for uh, trials or difficulty or crisis is a mixture of two words of danger and opportunity. Danger and opportunity. And trials force us to shed our petty differences so we can accomplish things together and begin to depend upon one another because I have no choice. You see, I'd rather do it myself. 
There's the truth. Isn't that how most of us feel? How many of you feel that way? It's just a nature. I, I, I don't want to have to. It's not that I don't like you. I love you. You know, and I'm really happy when you do it. But I'm not going to ask you. I'll just, I'm going to do it myself. It's just my nature. But trials force me to depend on others. So we put in a toilet here just the other day. And so I put it in a toilet. I go, pastors put in toilets. So I did this week. I, I, it wasn't on my list, but it became one of them. And uh, so I called Ramsey. Hey, can you help me out here? I don't really know what I'm doing. He said, sure. So he came over. You know, Ramsey got, he's, he's kind of one-handed. And he said, okay, Lee, you've got to lift this up. You've got to do this stuff. He was forced to depend upon me for certain things, despite the fact that he knew how to do everything. Now I was dependent upon him to know what it was I was to do, where I was to move it to, and what I was supposed to do after it was moved. So we worked together in the midst of this trial, and now you ladies have a toilet that you can use. So you're happy about that, right? Yeah, I'll bet you are. I bet you're a lot happier than if you didn't have it. Crisis, opportunity, and God says we're to look upon these crises, these trials as opportunities. Opportunities to see God more clearly, to understand more fully what life is about, to grasp a hold of the truth of who he is and what these things are about. Paul says it this way, I'm perplexed, but I'm not despairing. I say I'm puzzled, but I'm not paralyzed. The trials are coming, and when they do, we have a chance to declare our faith and to build balance in our hearts. Uh, Let me give you an illustration visually. This is a clip called Fireproof, and it's when a young man who's finally... understood how much his marriage means to him and he's been working so hard at it and she asks him why. God calls us not just to 40 days, but he often calls us to 43 or 44 or 45 before suddenly something happens and we're transformed. We're transformed. We recognize it's time for a change and so we start saying, Let the change begin. That's what happens in our life. Everything begins to make sense. Here's the truth. Once you have established certain heart truths in your life, then you are enabled to deal with trials that come your way. It builds your soul strength and you become a teacher rather than just a perpetual student concerning life. You find yourself in the midst of trials, building endurance and providing comfort and improving character. And this set of trials prepares us for the games of life and gives us the balance that we desperately need uh, to deal with them. Simple illustration, I think of Brian Sternberg. He was a famous athlete that you don't remember his name now. Oh, but he was very famous at that time. But he had a terrible accident. He was paralyzed. Paralyzed. From the waist down. And he said, if I never walk again, I will never do anything. And so he did. Nothing. And you don't know him today. At almost the exact same time, a young lady by the name of Johnny Erickson also had a tragic accident. It was a diving accident. And the result was she was paralyzed, like Brian, from the waist And she said, God, I don't know why these things happen to me. I don't understand why this trial has come my way, and I don't know if I'll ever walk again. But for the first time in her life, she said, I will trust you, and I will discover what it is that you have for me. 
and Johnny became famous. <laughs> Most of you know her name today. This amazing, amazing paraplegic who I still remember when I watched her drawing this phenomenal portrait picture that went on cards with her mouth because she couldn't use her hands. I thought, wow, I wish I could draw like that. I wish I had that ability in any way or manner. And then she began to sell the cards and people began to understand. And suddenly she found out she could speak. And so she started to share with people about why these things had happened to her and how she was using them to change her life and how she had gained true joy in the midst of all this destruction. And as she began to share, she became very, very famous for crowds came from all over the world, literally, to hear her and to listen to her. And as she began to speak and to share, God gave her a vision of, of caring for others. And she developed a ministry called Johnny and Friends, dealing and helping paralyzed people. And she said, the interesting thing was, once I began to tell people how to help, how they could be involved in the lives of others who were paralyzed, the crowds began to get smaller. They were far more interested in my testimony than they were in the opportunity that it would give them. God sends trials our way and he allows things to come into our life for a reason. And we have to discover the reason. Comfort is given so you can comfort others. You can show people how to live, not just exist. Trials build character and faith and hope and builds our hearts up. And we become people of strong hearts if we allow them to. If we allow our trials to be used and not for them to use us. See, I want to use trials, not let them use me. Say it with me. I want to use trials, not let them use me. Okay, those are the heartaches. Now the heartbeats. I'm going to do these fairly quickly. Three heartbeats, I said, to enjoy before and after the trials. They're kind of the dessert that takes place as a result of putting all these variety of ingredients in, all of which take, taste awful by themselves. Raw eggs, oh my goodness. Flour, ah, you know, straight sugar. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. But when you put these all together, you have this marvelous cake that my wife puts together. I can't find myself unable to stop eating. A trial in and of itself. Okay? Dessert as opposed to the desert. God wants us to use our trials to bring dessert into our life, not desert. Three heartbeats. To face the trials or to consider that's one. We're to comprehend. That's two. We're to cooperate. That's three. Consider, comprehend, and cooperate. That's the key to dealing with trials, folks. I don't care if it's a trial like it was with me yesterday while I'm trying to put up this fan thing and it's driving me crazy. And as I'm in the midst of it, I thought, consider, consider, what are you doing? You know, my wife said, you should call somebody. <laughs> She even gave his name. I'm not going to give it to you because you might try to call him. And I need him at times. I don't want anyone else calling him. She said, call. And I said, I'm not going to do it. I can do this. So I considered. And I said, God, help me. I will cooperate with you in this. And I began to comprehend how it was supposed to be done as I looked and looked. And finally, I did it. 
Hallelujah. The fan turns and it doesn't make noise. Unless you put it on hard all the way. But that's okay. I wasn't looking for perfection. I just wanted to get it done, right? When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. When your endurance is fully enveloped, you'll be strong in character. You'll be ready for anything. You could circle that last part. Ready for anything. Anything. Wow. So we learn this first part we learn to consider. These are simple truths. You stick in your head. You go, okay, Lord, I want to use trials. I don't want them to use me. He says, okay, consider. Who are you? Who are you? How have I made you? What is this all about? What am I trying to teach you in this situation? How can this be used for you? What's the process going on here? See, trials are often God used and sometimes God directed. Paul says all things work together for good, but he doesn't mean singular. He means for general good. I go, Lord, I hope this is more singular. I hope it's specifically for my good as opposed to, you know, Ray's good. You know, it's good for Ray, but I don't, you know, I I like to know my good. God says, no, 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 no. This is a big good, Lee. Sometimes it's for your good and sometimes it's for somebody else. There's good things happening. You need to allow that to take place. Consider that truth. You are God's workmanship. You're his poem. I'm writing a poem for you. And some of the lines are good and some of the lines are difficult. What's the line? Learn the line. These things have come so your faith, which is of greater worth than any gold you could get, or be proven genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So I say, okay, I consider what's going on here. Think about it. God, what are you saying to me? Then I comprehend. Right attitude. There's a purpose for this trial. Knowing the love of God, we're not playthings of circumstance. Peter says we're being protected in the midst of the heat. Not so, so much just the exact right temperature, but the desired result. He's trying to bring about the result here. If you do it too hot or too cold, you can't bring out the right dish. To use another cooking term. I'm being womanly today, okay? So get in the picture. We go, yeah, you've got to use the right temp. God said, I'm putting you in the right temperature. You think it's too hot. It's not. Just right for you. Perfect for you. Comprehend this truth. Okay? The test will produce maturity and ability to trust and understand what we were meant for. Someone said a ship in the harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are for. What are you for? Why is this happening? I go, okay, Lord, I have hope, and our hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So we begin to get guidance and direction and understanding. We comprehend. Finally, it clicks. We go, aha! We get what's called an epiphany. I call it a bump in the head. God says, hello, and I finally get it. And I cooperate then. I let God do the job he wants to do. Put your head down. It makes the haircut a whole lot easier. Put your head down and let God do what he needs to do. James puts it this way in the last of his sections. And you Christians should be glad who are poor, for God has honored you. And those of you who are rich, you should be glad too because God has humbled you. I know we read that the opposite way in the U.S. Read that one closely and you'll understand what God is trying to say to you in the midst of this series of trials. So this brings us to our final thought here as we kind of close it up together. I'm going to ask Justin even to come up now. And that's this. Okay. 
Pastor Lee, all these things I get it, and I know I want to use trials and not let them use me, but why did I fail? How many of you have failed your trials? Okay, the rest of you are liars. It's just the nature of them. We fail them periodically. We don't consider. We don't comprehend. We don't come to the place where we go, well, I'm going to cooperate with God. We fight. We yell and we scream. And then it gets done and we go, huh. Doggone it. Why did that happen? Well, James says, he says, if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Who gives all generously and it will be given to them, but... Don't give any double-minded responses. Here's the reason that we failed. We were double-minded. We refused to accept that which God said was right. We refused the wisdom that he gave us, and we said, I know better. And we chose to go our own way. We chose to do our own thing. And the result was we got what we wanted. But it wasn't what we needed. You see... If you lack wisdom, which is simply knowing what to do and when to do it, God says, I'll give it to you, but you need to spend some time in my word so you can gain the ability to understand how to do things and the perspective that's necessary. And you need to give so I can help you gain control of your finances and not let them control you. And you need to serve because you have a need in your life to submit to others around you because your ego is way overdone. And most of this just doesn't seem to make any sense. But the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. We die to live, and we give to gain. What? What? See, that's the directive of God. And he says, look, if you have a lack of faith in your life, and you have this double-minded disorder then you're never going to get what he wants for you because you're never going to follow the directive that he's given you in relationship to trials. But if you do, if you listen, you'll gain wisdom, you'll gain faith, and your trials will suddenly become something you actually can begin to look forward to as opposed to something that you're afraid of. Hmm. Trials come our way. Instead of becoming part of the crisis... We let them build endurance and provide comfort and improve our character. And we consider and we comprehend and we cooperate with God. And sometimes, sometimes he enables us to overcome the problem. And sometimes he just overwhelms it. But he always answers us when we ask. So I guess bottom line today is this. You need to guard your heart. And that means you need to have some heart rules. Rules that you hold on to firmly and strongly. You say, no matter what, this is what I will do. And I will do more as God gives me opportunity. But right now, these are my rules. Every morning I wake up and I say, God, speak to me. And I open his word and say, open my eyes. Because I'm afraid of this world I live in. And every week I say, Lord, what do you want me to give? Every day I say, Lord, where do you want me to serve? And who am I supposed to serve today? And you have heart rules. These are my rules. What are your rules? 
What are your disciplines that you've laid out in asking God to make them bigger? Make me stronger. Give me more rules that are part of who I am because they're my heart, not my head. It's who I am and whom I'm becoming. I encourage you. Make your rules. Write down those things. I will, I will, I will. And begin to lay before God and say, God, just like I said, I'm going to lose X amount of pounds. And I did. So now I want to gain some weight in my heart. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. For the truth that you give us here that we don't have to be frightened of trials. They're there to be used. Let us use them, Lord. Show us how as we yield to you even today. We're going to spend time in prayer, Lord. I'm going 24 hours of prayer. I'm spending a couple hours. <laughs> I just want to learn from you. Something I can do. I'm going to be here every Sunday. It never fails. You know that. It's not just what I'm speaking. Oh, Lord, you know I love Sundays. It's a day in which I meet with you and I get to celebrate with my brothers and sisters. That's a rule of life. doesn't change very often. Oh, Lord, give us rules. Rules in our heart that strengthen us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.